Welcome back to another episode of Being an Artist is fucking killing me. I'm Corinne. And I'm Rainy. <laughs> I don't, sorry, I like took a sip of water right when I was supposed to say my name. That's and perfect. I'm Rainy. You just pulled a Corinne. Yeah. <laughs> sorry about that. Put a piece of food in my mouth and ask a question at the same time. <laughs> And I know you might be saying, hey, maybe you shouldn't be eating and drinking when you're recording something. And you know what? You're probably right. Yeah, you're probably right. It probably sounds terrible, but you know. Bitch has to hydrate. And when we were in person, we like to provide craft services, you know, snacks, make it the best experience possible. When I was um, younger and people would say craft services, I thought it just meant craft dinner. Really? So I thought when they were like, yeah, there's craft services, there was like, this is like so much craft dinner. <laughs> so I went, that's what movie stars are eating. <laughs> I mean, but now it's like everything. It's like, you know, there's so much for craft services. Variety's key, you know, spice of life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> movie stars don't eat gluten. <laughs> <laughs> or if they, Idiot, right? if they do, they don't tell you they do. Yeah. Liars. <laughs> Fucking liars. <laughs> um thank you guys for tuning in welcome yeah. to another tuesday hope you're feeling okay and not as maybe emotional or crazy as i am i can only speak for myself but yeah you know. feeling crazy today that's okay we all have moments by the way it we're we're doing this intro on april 1st and the announcement for the ontario province-wide lockdown has not come through so i'm feeling all kind of crazy oh, all kinds okay. of crazy and if someone tries to play a joke on me today, they will They'll get hit a punch you. in the face. <laughs> I'll have a mask on if I'm outside. So you won't even be able to tell it's me and I will just bop you right now. <laughs> just a sucker punch. And she'll do it, guys. I've seen her get, she's so feisty. And people look at us and they think it's going to be like me that's like the fighter. But then it's not. I'm literally a wet blanket. I'll just like lay down if someone confronts me. <laughs> so that has been quiet friend. the whole time. Yeah. Rainy's like charming and you know being her like her entertaining self and then it's me I'm just like you know what back. it was it sorry something happened over there it was probably my fault you know what I, it's, I'm, I'm sorry yeah, I'll just it's probably my fault <laughs> no one time quick story time we were at um in the village where were we we were at uh one of the fruits and tangos fruits and tangos in the village and we were there was like a drag queen performing and we were all like dancing and she was singing and killing it and it was like packed because as you know like the stage it's like the front stage at Cruise and Tango yeah it's like right up against like stairs so like whoever is performing there it's like always slammed yeah like in that like initial space because there's not enough space no and it was like me and then it was like Corinne Wesley Lucas Yoshi there was like a few of us yeah and I was like kind of like in the front and in the front, I mean, like, in front of all our friends, not in the front of, like, at the stage. And this girl just, like, turns around and is just, like, are we going to have a problem? And I, like, wh- I, like, understand if I was, like, dancing up against her. But, like, it was packed. Like, everybody was all over everybody. And she was, like, are we going to have a problem? And I just, like, looked at her scared. <laughs> and I went, huh? No? What? And Corinne came in, interjected herself, and was, like, yeah turn around <laughs> we are gonna have a problem unless you turn around and then placed herself between me and the girl and just like looked at her <laughs> so crazily <sighs> and 
that is like a that's like a moment that sticks in my brain when people are like well, how are you guys as uh, people in social settings and that's it <laughs> so anyway just thought we needed a quick story time for the day we all need a little pick-me-up probably yeah um if you guys didn't know fringe lottery happened on wednesday last week yes so they did two choices they did the kids uh stage and then they did the on demand because as we all know fringe has decided to go digital yes and we've kind of like voiced our opinions about that um Mm -hmm. about how you know what we think and you can go back and listen to past episodes if you want to hear hear what we think about it yeah but not that the digital part is different yes the digital part is different but you should also know that there are categories in fringe not just two not just kids and on demand there are multiple categories per artistic discipline Mm -hmm. and there are so many slots per discipline yes there's like theater there's sight there's Mm -hmm. dance uh i think there's like a musical one too maybe like versus musical versus play comedy or or whatever and then there's local and international spots Mm -hmm. yeah yes but this year because it was on demand they just decided to put like all of the names (laughs) in one together and even though they did a phase one and a phase two Mm-hmm. which they do so they put all the names of people who have been um I thought it was under underrepresented so disability um black indigenous POC I thought there was a few categories that went in that first phase but Corinne you're saying it's it's just like BIPOC it's BIPOC yeah um and then they they would pick I think about 10 to 15 names out of there and then they'd enter all the other names in 50 percent of all the slots of all the slots and then they'd enter um the other people who applied for the lottery in yeah that's great i'm so happy that fringe is doing that they're taking the initiative that's amazing yep where i find an issue is that they didn't split up genres this year yep they just put everybody in one category called on demand (laughs) yep so what ended up happening is i think i think two dance pieces got picked yep one we know gnosis collective got picked krista newey which i'm so thankful if anybody deserved that slot right now it's her she's been making some amazing work go check out her instagram it's fabulous Mm -hmm. um and then there was another one that i'm i'm not familiar with the work uh i think it was terrell dance project i'm looking for it right now i cannot yeah um i'm looking at the list now and it's i mean i feel like it's not organized in the greatest way but yeah, so they have Digital Kids Fest, On Demand. 50% of the On Demand slots went to BIPOC artists, but they didn't separate disciplines after that. And one, maybe two dance projects got in and two got in from the year before. So out of this list of 50? Yeah. I mean, like, once again, I think, like, I'm just going to reiterate what we've been saying. Like, Fringe has been disappointing me with how they're supposed to be, like, pushing the envelope. They're supposed to be, like allowing more opportunity for all types of different art all types Mm -hmm. of different work all types of different people and I know we talked about how they kind of disappointed me that they were doing digital because it felt like there was an opportunity for them to just go out of their comfort zone and do like site-specific works and find people that way they could have done site-specific and on demand um you know it just felt like there was an opportunity for them to like really push the boundary and create like a real sense of like artistic community in Toronto like we this pandemic has created like a clean slate. We get like to mm. make the rules right now, you know? Mm. And it just doesn't feel like they're doing that. 
They're playing it safe. They decided to pick some on-demand, which is only video, which from my experience of being a performer in the video content last year, it was very unsuccessful. So, and now with this, with them not breaking down, they're not providing opportunities for different types of on-demand work. There's not dance films and um, plays through on-demand. It's just, it just kind of, they meshed everything together and then hoped that there would be a diverse amount of candidates. And I'm sure there is. In terms yep. of, and when I say diverse amount of um, candidates, I mean like diverse discipline. Yes, and styles and blah, and blah, styles blah. and stuff. And I'm sure there will be, but it it was upsetting to see how little dance got in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, fringe is fringe. That's all over the place. It was nice that people can apply from different areas now, but I mean, they always. Um, I mean, like there would be like a barrier of cost and stuff. And cost, yeah, but. You can technically yeah. apply from anywhere. Yeah, I just, I'm just a little bit disappointed. I agree. In, every, in how in how they've gone about it. Also, they had a year <laughs> to prepare. You know. Yeah. Like they like gave the option. I thought that they like pivoted slash adapted really well right. in that first to go. But then I I like expect more from them now. Now it just feels like they're like falling back onto something that they did before. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like what does the word like what does fringe mean? What does it mean to be fringe? Mm-hmm. Right. I don't know if it's this. No, it doesn't feel like this right now. No. Really. Boo. Boo. But. Um, and we're not just saying this because we didn't get in. <laughs> like I said, I, when I found, when I heard them say Kristen Newey, I was so excited because mm-hmm. she's been making some like really cool digital work and like presenting it through her Instagram platform. And I think we, we like, again, I've talked about this before, about how like there's people that just like were doing the work kind of like that in this like way through the digital experience before like Amanda Pye yep. and and Krista as well now as well she's she's just doing it in a really interesting way and she's like adapted really well to it mm-hmm. so I, I'm very excited for her and like whatever she puts out will be fabulous totally yeah totally speaking of fabulous you should check out our Patreon <laughs> yes you friends guys. go check out our Patreon we just released a crazy video essay mm-hmm that you should check out. Yep. We've released a uh, five on five. You get to see exclusive content. And again, you know, this podcast, it, it takes time yeah. and it takes like, it's not like we're just like sitting here with our webcams on, you know, ready to talk into each other. Like, you know, we have mics, we have uh, websites, we have, you know, hosting sites that we need to pay for. And um, we do that all with the help of our lovely supporters. And, and through me and Corinne, we fund it ourselves. And if you like what you're listening to and you're an avid listener, you're listening weekly, please go check out that Patreon page. And um, it'd be so nice if you found a way to support us in that, in that sense. Even yeah. if it's a dollar a month, if it's $2 a month, you can really pick how much you can pull out at any point. Yes. Um, and if you can't support us in that way, please share, please tell your friends, mm-hmm. please, you know, leave us a review. Um, there are other ways to support besides Patreon, but uh, we're really pushing our Patreon right now because, you know, we, we're trying to up the ante every year. And without the support through Patreon, we it's hard for us to do that. Totally. And Patreon is, it is its own community. It's not just like you're putting money into this platform to get things back it's there's ways to interact with people there's ways to connect with us there there's communication and it really all goes back into the podcast so yeah yeah exactly Mm -hmm. um 
This week, we have the lovely, talented, charismatic, bubbly Luke Reese. Luke Reese. We were so excited to finally sit down with him. Man, I made the joke in the show, I think, or in the interview, I think, but like, we've been trying to get him on for no joke a year. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And with the pandemic and schedules and, you know, every, it's just been everybody. Everybody's. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But he is amazing and he's in a very different spot this time than he was last year, which was also a very interesting conversation. Yeah. So um, please take a listen. Um, Let us know if you're listening. And here we go. Here we go. Luke, thanks for being with us today. It's so nice for having me. Happy Happy Friday. Friday. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you're your art expertise and your talents kind of run across a very like long field of disciplines in the art world. Um, but I would say one that you're most well known for is your poetry and your slam poetry. And I'm just really interested in that right off the bat, because Mm -hmm. it's always interesting to me, um, how people get into their passion, like what they're passionate about. So how did you get into slam poetry? Because for some disciplines, it's easy to just take a class when you're younger, but I imagine that wasn't the case with slam poetry. Yeah, there was, there were no classes. <laughs> yeah. uh, Could you imagine? Uh, I mean, I know, well, there are now mm. and I do them. Like that's the, I, yeah. I, it's funny because I, I teach the classes for <laughs> schools and students now that, that I didn't have. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I always liked poetry. I was always a writer when I was younger, yeah. but there was, there was something that was, there was a disconnect for me where I would like have my idea and I write it down on the page and then often for assignments, the teacher would hand them back. And then I just wasn't happy with like the grading process yeah. or I felt like they didn't really understand where like how I wanted to say it and then you know they teach you about like how you can use grammar and 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 line breaks and everything to to create that sense of voice Mm -hmm. but I just felt like it actually wasn't capturing my voice in these Mm. in these in these poems so I stepped away from it for a while um and that's about the time I really picked up in theater and went to university at York and then it was while I was at York and I was producing a show for the Hamilton Fringe Festival with Little Black Afro Theater at the time uh, I was looking for opportunities to advertise the show. This was our first time coming to the Hamilton Fringe. I didn't really, I'd never done a fringe before. I didn't know the city of Hamilton that well. And uh, and I was just like looking up online to see what events were happening. There was a, there was a poetry slam, the Hamilton Youth Poetry Slam. Shout out to Hype. Um, <laughs> hype it up. And uh, and I showed up with uh, with my cast. Uh, and my team, and uh, you know, we there were there weren't a lot of people there <laughs> to be honest. Like it was like hype, hype's great, but I think this was this may have been earlier days for them. Uh, and that particular event, it was like our cast, and then like maybe seven, eight other people, um, and then two people in the cast, uh, Kenna Wilkinson and Jordan Lafreniere. Uh, went up to the mic and actually competed in the poetry slam. I didn't know what it was, but they like had a concept of it. And they were literally like, I was driving us to Hamilton and they were writing their poems in the oh car. Oh my God. Um, and then I was a judge because they didn't have enough people to have judges. And normally in a poetry slam, the judge can't have any relationship <laughs> to the poets. We can't, we can't know them. They can't be like family, friends, partners, any of that. But they just had so few people that I was a judge. <laughs> and then- and like, as my first time judging poetry slam, first time at a poetry slam, and 
like my friends came first and second but like the work the, like the work was good like it was very mm-hmm. it was, it, but I definitely had a bias <laughs> like like I drove these people here <laughs> I want to see them succeed and you know I think there was a I think there was a cash prize too most poetry slams do I'm trying to remember what hypes is specifically but I'm like you know that money can help out pick, go towards gas right like I, this has to, <laughs> not just one bias so that was <laughs> two I had two so like drinks after yeah I know. So, and then in that moment, like seeing them up there and and performing their works, I was like, what? I can do that. I didn't know this is what this was. I had no idea. And then, so then the next time I came to uh, Hamilton Youth Poetry Slam, they did them monthly. And I just found myself there every month. And I would do the open mic first, work my way up to the slam. Then, then, you know, then I'm winning slams. And then I'm realizing, oh, they're not just in Hamilton, like there's the <laughs> Toronto Poetry Slam, which is actually huge, uh, running at the Drake Underground. So I started to go to those events and it, it was a larger scale in terms of audiences and like the variety of performers up there it was really intimidating. So it took me a while to work, work up the courage to perform there. Um, and, and then I was also doing like a Poetry Slam show at York at the time in like a playground festival that we had there and I was performing and writing in that. So it just it just went from this thing that I had no idea about to my favorite thing to do. Any open mic, any poetry slam, I was there, I was writing, I was generating so much material and people loved it. And I loved the feeling of like being entertaining on a stage while also being able to communicate a message. And then next thing you know, I'm like, champion of this champion of that coaching this traveling to Paris like it just it spiraled quickly I have two questions about poetry slam um what about it made you feel like it was the best way for you to deliver your writing um I mean just the pure fact that I was the one Mm -hmm. saying it like it wasn't me writing it down and somebody else reading it. I, I like I have none of my stuff is published because I have no interest in publishing my spoken word pieces. That's the other thing too, is that like poetry slam is the competitive form, but the art is spoken word. Um, so I, I try to, yeah, I know that there's like people use them inter, like they interchange them all the time, but I prefer to be called like a spoken word mm-hmm. artist or a poet um, who like occasionally, a, competes in poetry slams mm-hmm. um, the same way somebody who's like a hockey player might compete in the NHL or compete in a in the Olympics or a tournament or something like that right, right? Um, like there's a whole system of slams throughout the cities and provinces that build towards like big tournaments and festivals but so so for me what the slam did for me like the competitive format it helped me fine-tune my voice because I'm a very competitive person (laughs) and I wanted to win so badly so I really started thinking about the relationship between what I was saying in the audience because in a poetry slam yeah anyone can be Mm -hmm. a judge um anyone who shows up to the event that day can get handed a scorecard you know if they consent to it and they'll judge the competition so I thought that I loved it because I could just go up there and it was me and I could adapt it to the audience to that how I was feeling to what was going on in the world right I'm never performing them in the same way I'm I'm, I'm not trying to fall into patterns of performance I'm also diversifying mm-hmm. that what is the audience responding to listening responding in that moment I loved that element of it mm-hmm. um yeah cool and then something that I'm going to like backtrack a little bit that 
mm-hmm. that it just like piqued my interest. Um, you went to your the first poetry slam you've ever went to as like a marketing tool for a show. That you were in. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I think is like really hilarious and interesting <laughs> because we don't really have those. I think like as young, I mean, just in like the dance world, we're not really like. Mm-hmm. I've never been told like, oh, you should go to events and like hype up your show in person. You know, like all of like marketing yeah. and stuff like that is like either online or through like, um, like print, social media, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I like wonder if we'll ever be able to do that again. Go to a like large events, host events yeah. to market shows, and like really because you can sell something in person so much easier than you can by like mm-hmm. a poster mm-hmm. or a, a poster online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like my instinct was exactly that. I'm like, people in Hamilton don't yeah. know me, right? And and this is, a you know, the people know who they go and see at the Hamilton Fringe Festival. My company's going to be a new name. I'm going to be a new name. So I knew I had to be out in the community as much as mm-hmm. possible to be like, hey, this is who I am. And yeah, if you like somebody, you go and see totally. their show also. Mm-hmm. So, and I think how we do that now is it's a lot of, <laughs> digital messages but but like the personal invites are the ones that I that I respond to the most mm-hmm. and that I value right mm-hmm. so like Ali Joy Richardson is so good at it um I don't know if you know Ali she's a, so. a director writer theater human um arts human just great human uh and like I just remembered every time she had a show I received like a like a personalized invite and it wasn't just like they like Ali changed the name yeah you know so many of those (laughs) and and then takes the time to thank you afterwards Mm -hmm. and just like the amount of care and the amount of time that takes like I value that and I respect Mm -hmm. that and I will go and see your show right like I know it took me a while to get here but like y'all kept reaching (laughs) out right you kept being like let's make this work and I got a lot of respect for that you know totally right I mean that's so so much about Devin too, our junior Yeah, producer. shout out to <laughs> Devin. Thank you, yeah. Devin. For, as much for... as we all want to take credit for responding to all the emails for scheduling, that's a hundred percent Devin. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Devin. <laughs> um speaking of kind of like producers, I mean it's so interesting because when we first wanted to have you on, <laughs> you you re- you weren't really in the position that you are now, right? So you're nope. the institute. No, you were definitely not. <laughs> So were you working for, okay. um, uh, you're working for someone right now, but you were working yeah. for Obsidian. Obsidian, yeah. Obsidian, okay. I didn't want to mispronounce yeah, yeah. it, sorry. Mm-hmm. You were working for Obsidian, but now you're an associate um, artistic director for Soul Pepper. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. Wow. What a journey, eh? <laughs> what a journey. It's still, it's still what I'm introduced that way. It's, it's, it doesn't feel real yet, to be honest. Uh, and I just got off of like the call I was on before this was me running the Friday company meeting with the entire staff of of, of Soul Pepper, and oh. it's you know my first time getting to run that, <clears throat> and it was a lot of fun. And I feel I feel comfortable in it too. That's the thing is that I think why it's it hasn't really hit me is because of how comfortable I feel in the mm. position. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it's a big position, and I know it's a big company, but I just felt like it was exactly what I needed at this point in my career. Yes. So I have no problem taking this space and, and using it for good. Okay. <laughs> How are those meetings going right now? Because 
I mean, like Soul Pepper, like any theater company, everybody's really struggling right now. Mm-hmm. Um, how are you? How is Soul Pepper? And I mean, answer this how, at, from your position as well. I know Soul Pepper is like many, many individuals. Yeah. Um, but like, how are you personally walking into a new role in this pandemic and stepping in into kind of like a piv- <laughs> pivoting area? Sorry, and stepping Don't into say the like pivot the <laughs> um you're you're stepping into a position that is mm-hmm. is a new position for you but it's also probably like it's taking on a new role within that company yeah well you know Wayne, the uh the ad there and uh mentor and and friend and colleague like she kept like in, in conversations we had before that there was this position it was clear that she was kind of alone in the artistic department. Like there wasn't an artistic department. It was it was waning. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm that support from her. We have Matthew McKenzie, who's the Bailey fellow with us part-time as well, who's some artistic support. And now when he's got a team. So I think that's, that's the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, coming into an organization like this where I can't meet the people hurts me. That's that's what like we have these weekly meetings yes. on Fridays and we're in breakout rooms and we're talking and that has been so helpful and so key. We're mm-hmm. just getting to know the faces. Mm-hmm. But I, like what I what I'm craving right now is to be able to be in the building, in the offices, walking around, saying hello to people, like mm-hmm. and also just getting a better sense of how they work, uh, what their job is, what their role is, how they see that, how that functions in the company. You know, it's a lot of me popping into Zoom meetings and piecing things together, but and it's been like it's been easier than I thought um because the team are just it's excellent staffing like 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 there's great people at that company and it's so clear that everybody is so intelligent and knows exactly what they need to do to 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 support the company so but it I'm I just like seeing people and like interact you know because then sometimes I'm interacting with people over email for the first time so like I don't even know you don't like, have a can rapport. I joke with yeah. them? We yeah, don't have a rapport. Yeah. Like, like, mm-hmm. like, can I, what do I do? Yeah. An emoji? I don't know. Like, <laughs> Too many exclamation points. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Like, do I, can I, can, do I say, hey, their name with an exclamation point or is it a comma? Like, where, <laughs> where, where are we at? Like, I don't. Right. Because that position is, is like very much like a nine to five position. I mean, there's mm-hmm. obviously you're like going past those hours as well. But like, I feel like every artist kind of has this like, there's so few nine to five positions when you're an mm-hmm. artist. And I'm sure like walking into that, you were like, ooh, I get to do like all of the office things. Mm-hmm. You know, I get to like have like my desk and I get to um, have like staff like meetings and, and I get to do all this like nine to five shit that like as an artist, we kind of like fantasize about because we're like, what is that? <laughs> what What is like going to get coffee and oh, going on like Oh, I lunch? don't fantasize about that anymore. <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> Well, I mean, because I, I I got that when I was at Obsidian too. Like I actually yeah. got into the that pretty pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, I graduated from New York in 2015, and then started my producing apprenticeship with Obsidian Theater mm-hmm. like that fall. Mm-hmm. Like I graduated when I walked across the mm-hmm. the stage in like June, and then by October I was in the Obsidian office. And at first it was part time, like the first. Yeah, first year I was part-time and then we got a Metcalf grant and the next year was full-time. Um, and then I split time between Obsidian Theater and YPT for a bit as well. So I also okay. got a taste of the Young People's Theater office, mm. which was my first taste of like a staff of 40, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and I, yeah, I think that's why, because I've seen that and I know what it's like to be 
in that office. And I had such a good sense of where everybody was at because of being in that office. And I'm not getting that with salt pepper right now, but it was, yeah, I, I've, I don't, I don't fantasize about it anymore. I, I know that it's like, as an artist, there aren't few opportunities like that for us to grab, but I also think that we're not, I don't think artists look for them enough because no. there's like a fear that you're abandoning your art. Yes. Mm. And I'm really trying to squash that because mm-hmm. like, if you want to work full-time in the arts, you have to work full-time in the arts. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it's, you don't get to like, to pay for your life on, on, on arts and not put in the work too. Right. Like, and, and, and that work can be like adjacent to and in support of your right. art. When I started working as a producer, like I started as an independent producer while I was at York, uh, creating Little Black Afro Theater, Mm -hmm. because I needed to have a platform for my voice. And then as soon as I established that, I'm like, why am I doing this for my voice? Let me do this for other people's voices. Mm -hmm. So Little Black Afro started producing other works and accepting submissions. And then I started networking a lot. And I built this like network of theater artists in Toronto who I knew. Mm -hmm. And I recognized, I'm like, yes, I'm not producing my own work right now but like everybody who I'm in conversations with can. And I am like feeling that payoff hugely right now. I've got like so many, like like mini commissions, larger commissions on the go. Like at no point in my time at Obsidian did I stop calling myself a playwright, right? right? And that's a choice that you have to make because like, yes, you have a title that is like producer at Obsidian or whatever it may be in this, that's an administrative title, but you ultimately decide how you identify in your art and in your work. And I didn't feel comfortable bringing my art to Obsidian because I felt like I'm the producer and we're only producing like two, three, at the tail end of my time, there are five shows a year. How do, like, how can I justify me taking up that space when that's for another artist, right? Mm-hmm. So I think being at a company like Soul Pepper and being the associate artistic director is gonna help me bring my art to this company, knowing that there's more room for development, knowing that it is a part of my job title that I am doing my art within Soul Pepper. But the last five years, I was still an artist. Mm-hmm. And, and I think like what I had to do in the time between like me leaving Obsidian and starting at Soul Pepper was I think remind everybody else that. Right. Because I already knew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then that's when like people who were not in the spoken word community all of a sudden started watching my spoken word online. I did my Instagram live with Serge Ibaka where I was competing yes. on his talent show. And everybody is watching this and they're like, what? I don't know Luke did this. I'm like, yo, I've been doing this. I've been doing this yeah. and I'm here and I can write. And now, especially with um, 21 Black Features that Obsidian and CBC produced, and I have my piece Notice, which is out there. And that piece, I'm so proud of. I, and I think it's the like, it it is exactly what I, it's, it's my voice, it's how I write, it's how I wanna like communicate, it's how I wanna tell stories. And people are messaging me like, what? Luke, that's dope. <laughs> I'm like, I know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. I know right. like this is, right. it's not new to me. So that's, I think that was a little bit, that was a little bit frustrating. <laughs> the last six months was just like reminding people that I am an artist, but, but I never forgot. And that's yeah. why I kept working on and, my art. That's, yeah. Sorry. That's like the most important thing is that you never forget. Right. Like there's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, validation is nice. You know, I think as artists, we also kind of like seek validation in performance. Um, but like that validation that you are an artist needs to come from you and come from yourself to like yeah. feel fulfilled. Yeah. We can't, we can't sustain ourselves in other people's no. validation. It's not sustainable. Right. No. Um, how was working? No, sorry, go ahead, Rainy. 
No, no, no. You go for it. I was just going to add a very little add it. period on the add end it. of that. No, no. It's okay. You go. <laughs> or add an exclamation point or okay. whatever it is you want to I don't add. even remember now. You go, Corinne. Um, how was working with CBC now that we're talking about notice? I mean, I didn't have any like direct connection with with CBC. Well, I mean, I guess I did because we started the project while I was still at okay. Obsidian. Like when, because right. uh, uh, Philip's last day was at uh, the end of June uh, 2020. And then when we started the next day and I left like end of August 2020. So there was a couple months of overlap in which when we brought the idea, we workshopped it. And, you know, like the, like I had a hand in choosing those 21 like playwrights, you know, I, I, I didn't put myself forward again because I'm like, I don't know, but like, I think they knew that I wanted to do it. So Mumbi had offered me that and I, and I accepted it and, I, and that just felt good as well. Um, so like I was a part of, I think one of the early meetings with CBC or like the documentation we were sending CBC to pitch yeah. this to them um, because we knew that it was going to be digital. If you want to do it digital, we want to have good quality. Mm-hmm. And we had a relationship with Amanda Paris there. Um, but then when things really picked up, I was already gone and then I just had to write my piece. Uh, and it was just me workshopping it with Maika Payne, the dramaturg there with, um, my director and Gozi Paul, Lisa Berry, who ended up, uh, who had a brilliant performance. So amazing. Stunningly like, oh my gosh. Um, and it was a great team. Like myself and Gozi and Lisa really tackled that text together by the end of it. Um, and the support from everyone at Obsidian was was great in the writing process. Cool. So, um, I have like mm-hmm. one more question about Notice. It has this like really the story has like this interesting mix of reality because it's talking about the moment that we're in now, mm-hmm. but like it's also futuristic in the same. Um, mm-hmm. Why was that like your mode of storytelling for this piece? Yeah, it was interesting. So all of the playwrights had the question, um, like, what is the future of blackness, or like what like what can that be? And I think everybody tackled it in different ways. I think some people, to be honest, didn't respond to the prompt, <laughs> maybe. But but the pieces are still so really exciting. Um, and it also, like for me, it came from a place, like an, an honest feeling that I've had mm-hmm. now. So I started from that feeling and started to think of, well, what is the future that I want to see that can address that? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and whose perspective do I want to see it through? Right. And the first draft of the piece was like a dialogue and it was like purely set in the future with the character Crystal having a conversation with some of the board chairs at the NBA and like working through that. Um, But I love writing monologues and I love especially monologues from the point of view of of children, of young people. Um, And then so this idea of like taking that character to where I am now, but like how would like how, how would a 12 year old black girl respond to that in that moment especially with all of the work the WNBA has been doing like before that moment like what she's witnessed being a basketball fan but still not seeing the change and like as a kid like what does that do to you and and rather than take the path of like does it shut this character down I chose the path of no it's going to drive this character to the future and then that's where we are in the mm-hmm. piece and this is what it's all led to um but I love writing monologues I love writing like monologues exploring like children thinking through things um and what does that do so yeah a lot of the work is also I mean you have a, a tendency to talk about basketball as well <laughs> which I'm assuming must be 
<laughs> Another passion of yours. Sure. Oh yeah. Love. Let me just let me just real quick, real quick. Let me just show you this. Oh wow. Of wow. like it's literally. You must have lost it a couple years ago when we won. Oh yeah. Look at this. <laughs> Got a Amazing. signed basketball. Yeah. No, it's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Um, wow. Oh gosh. <laughs> you um, yeah. I had to show you though. Yeah. I had to. Um, yeah, I mean, you did like the, like you said, the talent show with um, Serge Ibaka. You mm -hmm. did that piece about DeMar DeRozan yes. and, uh, and the Drake songs. Um, you've done a few like really fun basketball related, very Toronto related pieces. And there's You're another one coming out, eh? There's a radio play with Factory Theater called the Toronto Pigeons. Oh. And <laughs> it's, it's the night the Raptors won the championship from the perspective of pigeons <laughs> who speak in spoken bird. <laughs> It's uh, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Marcel Stewart directed it. Wow. Um, Britta Bador and uh, and Trevlin Kennedy are in it. As long as myself, I'm performing it too, uh, which is fun. So that comes out uh, sometime in April. I think the end of April. That's so, so clever. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, is, it is. I'm just like thinking are about you... pigeons in Toronto, and you know, it's like very. It's on yeah. it. Spoken. They were bird. always. They were, were they always raccoons? pigeons in the first draft. They were. Well, no, they were hawks because they would be raptors. Right. They would be actually yeah. birds of prey. But then uh, the dramaturg, Matt McGeechee, who worked with me on it, and we you know, landed on pigeons, something that listeners could connect to more and they were more familiar with. Like, not everyone has seen a hawk in Toronto. I see them mm -hmm. all the time. I, like, love it. My, I have binoculars. <laughs> Anyways, um, so they're pigeons. And then one of them is a kestrel. It's two pigeons and a kestrel. And a kestrel is, is like a smaller bird of prey. Anyways. Wow. <laughs> It's the cleverness yeah. for me, <laughs> all of that. Um, but you take these like two things that you're very passionate about, you know, poetry, mm -hmm. basketball, you are, you find a way to like, you know, combine them and create something really special because when people think about basketball, I mean, in terms of like a marketing aspect and in, in terms of just like, what's the fun thing, what's, how can we give to the arts community? I don't think people think yeah. like basketball and poetry, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so they I mean, start like, thinking it now. <laughs> yeah. You're making people start to think about it. Yeah. How was your experience competing on the Serge Ibaka talent show? Life-changing. <laughs> like, it was so much. I think, like, when my aunt first sent me the posting that this was going to be happening. Yeah. And I uh, got a shout out, um, Aunt Jack, on this podcast, because I know that she'll listen to it, too. Yeah. Uh, so and... I was like, what? what is Serge Ibaka doing? Like Instagram live talent show, that seems strange. Um, and you could just submit a video. You could just DM the, uh, the like production company and get on board. And I was like, that seems too easy. <laughs> like that, that's really? But the thing was, cause he wasn't posting it from his main account. It was coming from the production mm. company's account. So not everybody was right. seeing it. Mm. So I'm like, I mean, send them, I send them a YouTube link to one of my pieces. And I'm like, this is my talent. I'd love to be a part of it. Uh, and then you got response was like a thumbs up emoji. And, Noted. and then, and then they were putting out information that said, if you received a thumbs up emoji, it means you're going to get a time and we'll let you know when that time is. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like watching the first two rounds and I haven't received a time yet. Mm -hmm. And I know that they're like, they didn't decide when they were going to cap it. So I was worried that I wasn't going to be able 
to perform. And I was like getting my hopes up and I'm literally like, I'm watching them. I'm taking notes of like, who's going because eventually you have to like compete against them. I'm trying to figure out what's working, what's not working. What is Serge looking for? What is he responding negatively to? What are the questions he's asking? So I have those ready because you only have a certain amount of time. Like I was prepared. I'm like, if I do this, I'm not going to fuck it up. Um, oh, wait, I can swear. Can yeah. I swear on this? It's in the title. Oh, yeah, it's in the title. Was, People yeah, ask course. that all the time. And I'm like, I, I think it's because I do a lot of work with education too. And right. I'm always just mindful of that. So when I say the word, I'm like, ooh. Yeah, okay. um, so I was like, I, I messaged the guy and I'm like, you know, am I going to be getting a good time? Like, is this still happening? And he's like, yeah, don't worry, don't worry. I was like, okay. <laughs> And then I finally get my date and then I like create graphics and I like sending to people and I'm like, everybody watch. And I like have this set up in my room and getting like, that's why like I bought a mic. That's why not a mic before this one, but I bought a mic. I had like lightings. I like, I need to do this right. Um, And I just like, I feel like I just blacked out when I actually performed the first time. Um, Like I don't really remember it, but I've watched the video so many times. Um, And you know, he was smiling and he enjoyed it. And he, and he like invites me to the next round and I got off the call and my partner was there. Uh, my roommate, my roommate's partner who we were, we were bubbled together. We're like watching the living room and I was in my room. Um, and we came, I came out of my room and it was just like celebration and joy. Yeah. And I was like, I just did that was Serge Ibaka. I can't <laughs> and then so there was the first round, second round, third round. The se- like, I think the first round, may have been my strongest performance second round I think I was more nervous because like I'd already like I'd proven that I could do it and I was like uh oh so I I I don't know it wasn't very clear when I was speaking and then the third round I thought I did a wonderful job and then it came down to Danny Green Danny fucking (laughs) Green who you know was on the team and helped us win a championship but Danny Green had to choose between me and this other guy who like kind of produced a beat, but swore. And here's the swearing thing. Serge Ibaka said, do not swear. He made it very clear because kids are watching right. it. Kids are watching it. And he's like, I want right. it to be a family okay. show. Do not swear. And he was like railing on people who swore. So this guy swore. He like wasn't prepared. And I was like, oh, this is going to be, I, I got this easily. Danny Green's going to choose me. I even referenced the Danny Green game winner shot in my piece. <laughs> and then and then fucking Danny Green. Fucking Danny guess, Green, man. <laughs> I guess Serge didn't talk him through like what he was right. looking for. I think if Serge had to choose, he would have chosen me 100%. Like I'm still yeah. confident in that. But fucking Danny Green says that because this guy like rapped and then also produced a beat that he had like more skill sets than me. So, so they Fuck chose you, Danny him. Green. Yeah. I'm like. I'm writing an original spoken word piece for each round and, and, and like referencing the judges. And I am a producer. I produce shit. You just, I just didn't bring that to the table. Anyways, I'm clearly, I'm not over it. Fucking pissed. Uh, but every time Danny Green has a bad game, I'm really happy about it. You're like, karma. Yeah. Suck it, Danny. Uh, but one day, and I, and I, and I, and I say this, I say one day, Danny Green and I will have a conversation and uh and we'll hash it out and i and i and i do believe that i have room in my heart for forgiveness um for danny yeah yeah i mean that's very kind of you luke thank you <laughs> yeah in the end i have nothing but love for danny green but like better better choices <laughs> yeah pay attention man um uh so you you said something when you were talking about um little black afro theater yeah. company which you started 
which you said that you were interested in giving voice, um, giving like opportunity and voices or your voices to the, mm-hmm. the students or the people that are, are in the company. Um, and I've heard you actually say that a couple of times about like using your opportunity to create more opportunity. Um, how are you going to do that going forward in Soul Pepper? Uh, I mean, first it's figuring out what opportunities are there mm-hmm. for me to get. Because I think yeah. like a lot of what the what the first month has been is like, where do we have money? What's committed to? Like we have to honor the opportunities mm-hmm. that we have out there and the artists um, that have been in waiting, right? Artists yeah. that have been in development and, and making sure that they get their dues. And like, I don't want to just come in and say, hey, everybody who's like, been a part of the soul pepper thread forever like mm-hmm. move aside we're bringing in oh, other yeah, people mm-hmm. but i think what i've done already like i've been a part of the selection process for the soul pepper academy which mm-hmm. is bit which has been reimagined um currently running a mentor program alongside the city of toronto history museums called it a, the awakenings mentorship program mm-hmm. and we're bringing another five artists so i'm helping mm-hmm. select those so it's being in the rooms that are that are selecting these people advocating for artists who I have relationships with, or I've seen their work or worked with them before and being like, Hey, I can vouch for these artists. Like they previously didn't have somebody on the table who could vouch for them. And now that's what I bring. Right. I'm like, Mm, I'm like a representation of these people who have not been able to access the company. So that's a big part of it. And then I think, you know, once the dust settles with the pandemic, whenever it does, the, there will be opportunities for me to actually create other programming. Um, and to say, I'm going to welcome people in through this specific uh, program or opportunity or show or what have you. Um, but really, I'm just, yeah, I'm bringing in those other, those other voices with me because I've spent five years, more than five years, I guess, 2021. So yeah, the better part of 10 years, like just talking to those artists and getting to know them. And you see point. the grind, like you see the grind. I yeah. mean, we're doing the grind. You see how hard these people are working. And sometimes that in these like, I mean, like these big theater companies like Soul Pepper, I mean, like Toronto Dance Theater, like there's so many companies that like kind of turn a blind eye to these like emerging, not even emerging artists anymore. They are not giving opportunity to more of them. They give opportunity to like one of them, you know, one person, but there's so many other talented artists coming up that don't often get, that are grinding just as hard. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to how much money do we have? Because we also don't want to like support a bunch of people, but only give them like half as much money that they need oh, to yeah. actually do okay. it. So we're trying to balance the quality of the opportunities with the quantity. Um, and that is, yeah, in terms of looking at like the pandemic and where our income's coming from, mm-hmm. like, you know, we we really rely on, on donors and sponsors mm-hmm. um, to support these programs because there, there is no box office revenue. So you'll see, like, if you like look at the programs that are being put out, there's like often a sponsor or a donor or a name attached to it because that person or that company has given us the money to do that thing. And it wouldn't happen without them. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, you, you look at a company like Soul Pepper and you, you probably think they must have the money to do everything, but, but we don't, like, we, we actually don't. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I remember a few, I think last year, where we were talking about how, Strat. I was talking about it in like a seminar, actually, um, and it was with Peter Hinton, and they were talking about how Stratford Festival had gotten, or maybe it wasn't with him, actually, I could be missing this, but how Stratford Festival got like millions and millions of dollars, and everyone was kind of like, what, (laughs) they're getting so much money, and like what, all these other companies aren't getting nearly enough money and I feel like the work that they're producing isn't showing how much money they're Mm -hmm. getting you know Mm -hmm. include and that's not that's not including their sponsors or their donors and 
I think that it's like, it's important that these companies that are going to get all this money to have something to show for it. Right. As yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so because there's, they just announced in Ontario that there's this big grant coming out for all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that Ontario is about to get donate all this money or not donate, um, fund all of these art projects. Do you think soul pepper will be in the running for one of those grants? that's that's the hope um mm -hmm. you know we're having meetings about like what would we pitch to these grants and what are we going to propose right what mm -hmm. are the what are the plays you wanted to develop what are the programs you wanted to create that could fit in that right it's a little bit of looking at the parameters of the money mm -hmm. yeah. like what are they what do they want to give to and then what we've got in our on our list of things we'd like to do right um and trying to find something that fits or that we don't have to make you know huge compromises to to make mm -hmm. it work of course. Um, but yeah, there is some new money coming out. Yeah. Um, and I think too, like, yeah, Stratford and Stratford and Shaw. My um, <laughs> they they're definitely in a different pool <laughs> than Soul Pepper is. And totally. I think too, but like one thing that that I've realized coming to Soul Pepper, uh, I mean, if, when you have a staff of so many people, like operational costs, when you have a building. Yeah. Like, because people also say, well, what about all the government funding yet? Well, that, you know, goes to overhead and operations, right? Mm -hmm. right? Like, like, we need these spaces as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like the maintain the spaces that haven't, like, we still got to keep the building working. Mm -hmm. um, there are, and that's like when I was at Obsidian, there were so many conversations about, do we get a building? Mm -hmm. Like, do we work towards getting a theater? Mm -hmm. And there are, you know, there are things that have been things in the works for years and years and years, but that one question we always have is like, are we going to get lost in the maintenance of the building <laughs> and the programming of the building that we won't actually be able to do the work that we want to do? Right. Um, so I think it takes a lot of time with the building to actually get into that flow um, and with an artistic leader. And I think like Emma and Wayne have done a great job in the time that they've been at Soul Pepper um, to animate the building in new ways, to welcome in the community for the, the community parties that they were having. Um, so, I mean, I just, I can't wait to bring people back into the building. Yeah, of course. How do you, as someone who's like, like you said, you call yourself a playwright, you also do slam poetry. Um, how do you decide, I mean, storytelling is such a big part of art and theater. And how do you decide what stories are meant for poetry and what stories are meant for plays and what stories are meant for other things? That's such a good question. It's a question that I ask like kids in my workshop too. Yeah. Um, and I include things like posting on social media because I think that there needs uh -huh. to be like a more considerate approach to how our youth are using social media. <laughs> and 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 just because like, I mean, I don't know, because you're, you're I, I'm trying not to go on a tangent, but okay. you're seeing a lot of like, past posts come up and like really like impact careers of people mm -hmm. um and and we haven't gotten to the point as a society i think where we're starting to talk about what it means to like grow and learn mm -hmm. and to reflect in that space um and i just like and these are people who are like adults who posted things like five eight years ago they're coming back you have you have children posting things online like they're still learning so many things about the world and and like anyways I just I like I just I want people to be aware of like of course taking time to think about what you're putting out there there's there's repercussions right like yeah. words like have have resonance and have meaning mm -hmm. um and have power 
So mm-hmm. when it comes to like what works for each story, I mean, sometimes I just sit down and and I have write a first couple of lines and then I see where it goes. Mm-hmm. Um, another reason why I started writing a lot of spoken word was uh, just I didn't have a lot of time <laughs> and those pieces are shorter right. <laughs> and, and, and I can pump them out um, faster. Mm-hmm. But I think now it's really, do I need to say it or do characters, is there like a character that has to say it? Because if I'm writing a spoken word piece, it's coming from me. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, occasionally it's coming from characters, but like 90% of the time I'm writing a spoken word piece is coming from me, mm-hmm. coming from my experience. So if, it's, if, if I need to say it, it's a, it's a spoken word piece. If it needs like a larger platform in terms of just like, characters for dialogue and discourse like if it's more of a conversation and less of a thought piece Mm -hmm. then then I I move into the sphere of of writing a play Mm -hmm. Um, but it it does seem like there's like mm -hmm. I mean there's there's area for those two things to mix I mean as we know as Mm -hmm. we've seen with like Hamilton or you know like I I mean which I actually haven't seen oh really Um, I had tickets but then you know yeah (laughs) and then I've and then I've I've avoided watching it online because I've really want to see it live in person yeah. first I don't want to okay. see the Disney plus version yeah I mean have you been able to at least hear some of the music for it one track one time that's it yeah <laughs> um so I mean I guess it's hard to use this comparison but I mean what I like did you see like in the heights I feel like just like Lin-Manuel um, Miranda's like the way that he writes is like very yeah I mean yeah. it's it's written in a way that is is musical but it's also, it starts kind of spoken word. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's when you get into like the lyrics of it, yeah, right? right? And, and the, the rhythm. And the rhythm of, yeah. mm-hmm. um, I just did a program, uh, the Noteworthy program with the musical stage company, uh, where there are a bunch of BIPOC writers talking about musical theater and writing works together. They're composers. It, it was excellent. And mm-hmm. I think I definitely have interest in being like a lyricist. Mm-hmm. Um, and to putting so like like none of my spoken word pieces are to music right now, but mm-hmm. when we were working on some of those projects and we were talking about lyrics, like yeah, I love I love lyrics, but I'm not also it's weird because I'm not the person who like really listens to lyrics when I listen to a song. Oh, like really? I'm all about the beat. Mm-hmm. I'm all about just like bobbing my head, dancing. Like I'll sing lyrics, but like I know like my sister is somebody who like really knows the lyrics to songs. Uh, my partner, Katie, also. Like, I just, I don't know. I'm more about the beat when I'm listening, but when I'm writing, I'm all about the lyrics. I, I, I don't know what that says about me, but that's who I am. Yeah. That's and it, I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, poetry has been around for so long, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? And um, it, I mean, we've talked about this with other poets that we've had on about how like the emergence of like written, like, um books of poetry with like Ruby Kaur and you know all these other mm-hmm. poets and and now you're seeing all these people kind of flock to poetry again because you know what we saw at the inaugur- inaugural yep. um, inauguration day yeah Amanda Gorman mm-hmm. yeah Amanda Gorman mm-hmm. yeah um but it, it must be interesting for for you and for the spoken word community who've just been there the whole time it's really like <sighs> Because I re- also remember hearing, I remember yeah. being in high school and watching um, like Sarah Kay and Phil Kay, mm-hmm. who are spoken word people who like, when I think of spoken word people, I, I always would kind of think about them because they were so, I would just like sit and watch their YouTube clips all the time. Yeah. 
people who knew knew like it, there was like yeah. button poetry so many youtube channels have been there for a while and every now and then like a piece goes viral like mainstream but yeah. i think we also saw like brandon leak won america's yeah. got talent um and then with amanda corman and it's just like people messaging me being like hey did you see this this, yeah. before? <laughs> see this thing i'm like yeah i know like <laughs> I crossed yes. paths with Brandon at a competition in the States once. Like, you know, like these are people that are, yeah. uh, Amanda's not somebody who I, who I cross paths with, but mm -hmm. um, the community isn't small, but like we know of each other and mm. it's not really new. And yeah, literally every time a spoken word person is anywhere in the news, somebody texts my mom to like text <laughs> yeah. me and ask me what I thought of yeah. the work. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, so I think there's like, there's like a couple of people or there's like a segment of the community that's kind of like, we've been here yeah and then and then there's people who are like finally mm -hmm, like right. now look at my stuff too so I'm trying to find a balance <laughs> <laughs> right I mean like as like a dancer I know that like when you say you're a dancer to someone it would just piss people off me also that when oh yeah like, oh but like so like NBC world of dance or oh, like right. so you think you can dance when are you gonna audition <laughs> yeah and it, I mean there is that like it's just you know, it's so, it's so intricate. Like each art has so intricate and has its own thing. And just to like mm -hmm. pile all of these like arts on top of each other and assume that this is the only thing is, is like such, such a weird thing. Kind of what we were talking about at the beginning, actually, um, about just like outside people, just like assuming that you're a dancer, you're this, you're a yeah, poet, yeah. you're this, you know? Um, I guess that was more of a ramble than really a question. But it really, yeah, I mean, you brought it right <laughs> back around. Sorry. Yes. Like, Full circle, you, you, first you question. Full circle right there. <laughs> Thanks. It was kind of just like a speaking out loud. It's all right. Um, um, I want to have to, yeah, go ahead, Karen. I kind of want to bring it back to when you were talking about um, like overhead costs in buildings, because there's been like obviously a lot of lost spaces in the last like six mm -hmm. months. And how important and how quickly does like Soul Pepper want to get back into the space? When it is safe to do so, we will do so. I think mm -hmm. it, it's like, I feel like as a community too, like theaters are past that phase of just like rushing to things. Right. Um, we've started to just like accept the world a bit more. Um, and you know, like safety comes first. Um, Bad Hats Theater is currently in the space rehearsing Alice. Yes. Uh, a new musical that's going to be be filmed and, and broadcast. And we've got our Soul Pepper Academy. Those five artists are also in the building. So we're slowly coming back. Um, there are so many protocols, so many so that like, I, I'm like, I don't even want to think about going there for a day because of all the protocols that I have to go through. So in, in a way, it's like, yeah, there are a bunch of barriers and like safeguards to getting into the space because if you're going to get in, we need to make sure that all of these things have been considered because yeah. it's like, yeah, it's a community that we mm -hmm. need to keep safe, right? Like we're being, we're being mindful of the people who are in the space creating right now. So what does it mean for me to go there just to like say hi to someone? Like, is it worth not just the risk for myself, but the risk to them? So it's thinking about when do we absolutely need to be in the space? Mm -hmm. um, and how do we go about doing that safely? So, I, I mean, there's no like, this by this date we hope to have audiences or because right. it we we we've done that and it, and what has happened the world changes all the time so <laughs> we're 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 patient we're waiting um and we're still creating mm -hmm. right yeah or, um we have one last question for you Corinne mm. Mm. is being an artist fucking killing you uh yeah i'm tired 
<laughs> yeah. But I love it. I do. I do. But like I've, the bags under my eyes are real. I've, I've, been, I've bought stuff from Sephora to like put underneath like the little like cool the gel cucumber things. peels. Yeah. Oh, it feels so yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. I've been doing that. Um, I think, I think I'm starting to like physically see <laughs> the effects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's I'm that's, tired too that's the thing I think people get tired I mean you just need a break yeah. I mean not you you're like killing it right now but you know <laughs> sometime you'll need a break I'm sure yeah I mean it's it's funny because I just came off like a couple of months where I like wasn't working full-time so it feels yeah. like I should have had a break but I was still doing a lot of projects in that time mm-hmm. and I also just like I traveled most of Canada in that time. Like I, my friend and I went in a minivan and we would drove to Whistler and came back. It was like so a full nice. five week excursion. Uh-huh. Um, it wasn't like, I mean, we're driving most of the day. So <laughs> it was a big break in some sense, but, um, and now we're planning on going to the Yukon in the fall Ooh. for two weeks. Yeah. So nice. It's yeah. going to be beautiful. Have you ever seen the Northern Lights before? No, that's what we want to do. Uh, they're dope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're good. Yeah. I really want to see them awesome well thank you so much luke again like it's so nice that we were finally able to sit down with you and it, I, it's super just interesting how like w- the difference a year can make how had we had sit oh, down yeah, sat right? down a year ago completely different conversation <laughs> yeah totally um so thank you so much if people wanted to find you where should where can they like check out your stuff where can they see you um i've got most things linked to my website lukereese.com i also post everything on the on instagram and twitter if you i on twitter i post about uh the toronto raptors theater things and then also the bachelor um <gasps> la reese 93 <laughs> oh, on man. both instagram and twitter yeah <laughs> <laughs> I will have this conversation after we we stop recording. But <laughs> about the bachelor. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, thank you guys so much. Um, if you like what you heard, if you have any questions, if you want to leave us a review, go check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, our website, any place that you can find a podcast, you can listen to us. Um, and we're at Gal Pal Prods. Thank you so much. Go to our Patreon and support us in other ways if you want. And thank you so much. I think this is a perfect episode to join Patreon because Luke showed us many cool things on his wall. Oh yeah! If you're on our Patreon, you get to see and a cat. Yeah, guys, this this is the episode. Yeah. (laughs) If you if you weren't a Patreon before, now is the time. (laughs) Thanks, guys. See you next week.